tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey everyone, first Wimbledon podcast of the fortnight. I am Ed McGrogan here talking with Steve Tigner, uh, both in New York watching the tournament. Pete Bodo, of course, covering the event for us over in England. Um, wanted to get a little first round wrap today that didn't really end up happening. It's about first first round's about three quarters of the way done. Um, a lot of rain took out the last few matches of the evening, so those are going to be put on a pretty packed uh, Wednesday schedule. Um, Steve, before I get to day two, since it's kind of looking back at round one here, um, the biggest real, the biggest result to me, um, certainly how Venus Williams went down yesterday, um, a match that obviously you can chalk up, I think, to, to physical, you know, her limitations really, but but I don't think anybody really expected her to to lose in that type of fashion to Vesnina and then really the kind of the questions afterwards somewhat expectedly all centered around whether she was going to keep going for and how much longer. So I just kind of wanted to get your impressions of, of Williams and, you know, maybe where she's at right now. Well, having seen her at the French Open lose to Redwanska in a really, you know, tough way, she, she could really seem like she could barely move. Um, I didn't really expect, I, I, I felt like you never knew what you were going to get from day to day with her. And I think that's true physically. She could have, one of those days and, and lose to anybody. Vesnina has played well and is, and is pretty good, but you know Venus obviously wasn't at her best. Um, but aside from that, it's sort of hard to know what's going to happen with her. It's tough to to listen to her press conferences because she um, she obviously wants to keep trying. She really was focused on the Olympics, and I think she she has played really. She's really playing because she wants to make the Olympic team, and and now she has. Um, so these matches, so I think it's, it seems like she wants to continue, but she doesn't even know, you know, three months, a year from now, exactly where she'll be. I think she, she seems honest in that she wants to keep going, but um, you wonder how long you can keep playing, not knowing what you're going to be like physically from day to day and having no control over it. Yeah, it, it's, it's tough for me. I, I was just talking to you before about Venus it was really, um, you know, I, I listened to that conference as well. I'm kind of still kind of back and forth, uh, forth on all of it. I guess I compare her a lot to Serena in that both of them have really been, had extended lapses of idle time, just, you know, out because of injuries, illness, things like that. And we have seen Serena come back to really almost her form of before. Um, Venus, I think not, and of course, not through any fault of her own, really, just hasn't really climbed back to that height. And I wonder if that really might have any effect on that. And I, and I do think what we, what ended up this Olympic thing that's kind of been one of the themes this entire tennis year, um, it does seem to me like it would be kind of an appropriate uh, swan song. But, but I'm not, you know, not sure about that, but that's kind of the impression I did get after a presser that wasn't entirely convincing about, you know, whether she really wanted to kind of soldier on for a few more years. So she sounded, she sounded more convincing to me at Roland Garros that she wanted to, than she did at this. I don't know what that, I don't know if that has any meaning or whether that's true, but I was, came away from that one a little more thinking, Okay, she really does want to continue her career. This one it seemed a little, seemed a little more of an opening for her to, you know, maybe she would get tired of this, um, you know, of these playing with these problems. One more thing on day one before we move on to today is um, another American, John Isner. This was the um, 
This was a tennis magazine cover jinx here. Um, Isner has been pretty dreadful uh, since we uh, since that came out. Actually, this was you know French Open. I think a lot was um, maybe a lot of unnecessary pressure was put on. Um, he goes out in the you know 34 game fifth set, but this uh, you know Wimbledon here yesterday against Faya, a guy who who almost beat Federer a few years ago, but a guy that you know with Isner moving himself into a, a what seemed like a consistent uh, you know presence in top 15 and ends up going down in five sets and really doesn't. Uh, Despite holding a match point, you know, it was never kind of that imposing figure that he's been cutting since the beginning of the year. So, you know, I think, um, especially following Isner pretty closely this year and talking to him that, you know, this summer with these two slams, this can be considered nothing but an incredible disappointment thus far. Yeah, you know, with Venus, we know the reason. With Isner, it's really all on him, and that's what he said yesterday, both at the French Open and this tournament, he really was hard on himself, and and as he should be, he didn't show a lot of, and frankly, he didn't show a lot of heart or desire in either of these tournaments, which is strange. Um, I compared it, I was thinking about it yesterday, right at the moment he was losing, Ernest Skolbis was beating Tomas Berdych. If you had said earlier in the spring at Indian Wells, where Isner reached the final and Golbis lost in the first round, as he had, you know, as he had been for a long time, that these two would be in this position now, you know, nobody would have believed it. I guess it's it's sort of a cliche, but it also reminds me of, of when people say it also shows just how good the very top players are these days for being so consistent. When you see guys like Golbus and Isner kind of trading places every few months, you know, one guy's up, one guy's down, they can't sustain it. They either they get burned out or the pressure's too much for them. There's really only seem to be a few guys who can do it, and they do it you know extremely well. And but it is disappointing, Isner through the spring. Really, you know, really look like a, a a hope for American tennis for the next few years. A solid top ten guy, which he still could be, but you wonder about his mentality um, now, and, and even his ability to play on a surface like grass. He doesn't seem he's never besides the famous match with Mahu, he's never done much on grass. No, and he avoided it. Would turn out to be it would have been a third straight one with Mahu. Actually, just as as odd as that kind of couple has. Uh really the oddest couple in tennis, I think. That's uh, what would have happened. Um, for And that was, of course, today, day two, like I said, the tennis that we got to see out of there. Uh, I, I know you're putting together kind of a little compilation piece on today. So really, what, what did you watch a lot of today? Um, maybe some odds and ends of what you saw. There was not too not too much in the way of significant upsets. Um, there were some, I think, pretty strong first-round pairings involving some of the bigger names, but maybe just some thoughts on uh, the second day of play. I watched um, Nadal. He went down love four in the first set, and he really um, started pretty tentatively. He was chipping his, you know, you know when he's chipping his forehand return that he's not feeling very confident. And Bellucci, who has a tough lefty serve, um, sort of had him... You know, was was playing really well and had Rafa pretty nervous at first. But then, when the dog got back and won the first set, you knew he was in good shape. Still, at the end, it wasn't. I would not say it was a great performance from Rafa. He never really got his backhand going. But um, you know, the important thing in the first round is to survive. Another match I watched, an off, uh, outer court match, was Grigor Dimitrov beat Kevin Anderson in four sets. It's a pretty good win for Dimitrov in that he really had to to stay with it, playing Anderson on grass court. Can be frustrating. Guy hits a lot of big serves. The sets were really close. 
neither neither guy could get away from each other. But you know, Dimitrov showed some toughness in this match. He's always been a flashy player, but may have lacked some of that um, some of that toughness. So that was a good win for him. And um, I watched a little of Serena's match. She it was pretty routine until the end when she was um, broken serving for the match. And there was a little bit of a moment when you felt like she was remembering the French Open first round that she had. She had pretty much had in the bag and then lost. Uh, Serena got a little tight, and she was pretty relieved to win. I think she'll be, you know, she'll be fine with that. But you could tell there were just a moment of nerves, maybe a little memory from from Roland Garros. I, I felt the same thing, kind of watching that one, and I think you saw um, sort of the reactions from Serena. I think internalizing that same moment there. Um, I think a loss of of what happened to her at the French is. You know, kind of had to be exercised at this point, and uh, and you know, just to get one win under about there, you know, that's um, and, and of course the you know the her and Maria matchup that I think a lot of people you know want to see. Obviously, that's you know, we can't obviously look too far ahead because of what we what we saw in Roland Garros, of course. A couple couple other day two results I looked at a lot. Um, one of the earlier results of the day was Marty Fish um, playing first time since Miami, um, winning, uh, you know, to win 7-6, seven, 7-6 six, seven, seven, six after that kind of layoff is, was, um, you know, surprising to see. It was against Ramirez Hidalgo. Um, ended up not even doing press, actually, after the match. Um, I think it was, this is all, I think, tied back to his, um, you know, still lingering health concerns. Um, another match I want to bring up, you had Brian Baker, um, you know, not letting this story go really, and just really kind of keep doing the hard work here. He wins in straights as well. Um, a match Pete wrote about uh, Gofan and Tomich. Um, Tomich admitting after the match that uh, it was kind of just really been slacking off for a little while, and I don't. I think this was kind of the coda on all that. You, you probably caught some of that, didn't you? I know you were yeah. interested in it. Tomich, um, I watched um, some of Brian Baker. He was, you know, impressive, impressively solid, and he seems to have a great attitude. Uh, you know, when he was interviewed afterwards, he, he said, well, you just have to, you have to believe you can win any match, and then, any, you know, anything can happen. He sort of has the opposite attitude of some of the Americans we've seen at this tournament, Donald Young and John Isner, who seem to go in not really believing in themselves these days. Uh, and as far as Tomich, he reminded me of Isner as well, really hard on himself afterwards, and even just admitting that he's he's been lazy, and even but then even saying some odd things that at his age it's it's good for him to lose to you know as if he has to learn how to lose before he can win. Maybe that's true, but he's he's definitely taking the long the long view of things. One of the strangest things for me today, though, definitely is. The All England Club not electing to keep the roof down, uh, lights on, had a match, Wozniacki um, and Pachik, I believe, on center. Um, you know, you, you could finish the match there. They do kind of have to get all the, you know, as many matches as they can in there. So, you know, if you're the U.S. Open, it's uh, you look at that and you say, well, they, it's almost like, they have a roof and still don't want to use it. You know, you kind of think of what the U.S. Open's predicament is. So it was kind of a strange ending to a day that was a little, little unsatisfying, I suppose, with all these matches still to be completed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, so that was a head scratcher. The, the decision. I don't think anybody came had a good reason why they didn't just finish play out that match for the fans who were there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Um, 
So that's good for, uh, the, like I said, three quarters of round one complete. Uh, I think we'll get back after round two, Steve and I, uh, to kind of recap where things are at that point. It'll be seed versus seed, uh, you know, heading into the weekend here. So for Steve Tigner, I'm Ed McGrogan. Thanks for listening. Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 